Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Pair Program. Um, I'm Tim Winkler. Got Mike Gruen with me as always. Um, Mike, something I heard this morning, I uh, need to, to get your uh, two cents on. Are you a believer in the Loch Ness Monster? No. Not, not at all. <laughs> not, That's not a good at all. answer. I mean, when I, when I was six or seven, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, we're, we're missing out on a, an opportunity because there is a uh, uh, there's a monster hunt taking place this weekend out in Scotland. Oh, really? Where, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a group of folks uh, heading out to basically study uh, to try to find uh, find Loch Ness uh, again. So um, if you're not not interested in that, I just a good reason to get to the UK. Um, just just say that you're a believer. Right. I mean, I'm inter- I'm always fascinated by that stuff and all of the different like, what you know, this folklore around it and not just Nessie, but whether it's the, you know, uh, Sasquatch. or Sasquatch, any number Big of foot, them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting and fun and fun to yeah. think about. But uh, yeah, so maybe I'll uh, pull that up and see if uh, see if anybody finds anything interesting out there. Yeah, they do these every 50 years, apparently. So hmm. um, anyways, I, I got caught on some research and uh, Loch Ness is a, a very large lake. Uh, by volume in Great Britain, it's the second largest lake. Um, it's 22 square miles. So hmm. I was thinking if we were going to go for a hunt out there, I would be bringing this little uh, ditty with me right here. This is, <laughs> this is, uh, do you have a drone? I do. Actually, I think I have the same one. Do you? DJI Mini yep. 2? Yep, yep. It's in the closet right over nice. there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so my wife and I, you know, I, I take it traveling with me, um, love, love, uh, you know, using it as a way of like, you know, catching some interesting aerials for photos, videos, or just kind of like, like surveying the area. Um, but I'll segue that into today's episode, because the two guests that we have joining us today are both um, uh, leaders from startups that they play with drones, but they do it in a little bit of a different way. Um, they're both building technologies to com- combat drones, um, which referred to as unmanned aerial systems or UAS uh, in scenarios when drones are being used as maybe a threat to people, uh, militaries or places. Um, and so for our listeners, a preview of today's episode, we're going to be discussing the topic of startups forming strategic partnerships to facilitate growth. Uh, and there's a lot of different you know, motivators out there as to why startups and companies will partner. Um, I did some, some digging online on some of the bigger like, tech partnerships over the last 10 to 20 years. I'm going to rattle a few, few of those off for us here. So there was a big partnership between Spotify and Uber uh, in 2014, which allowed for Uber riders to connect their Spotify with their driver's cars to enjoy a better rider experience. Um, a partnership between Square and Starbucks uh, enabled customers to make payments using Square's mobile app, uh, which obviously offers more of a convenient payment option. NASA and SpaceX partnered. Uh, NASA provided funding and contracts to SpaceX to develop space cargo transportation to the International Space Station. Um, and IBM and Twitter, uh, and IBM partnered with Twitter to incorporate Twitter's data into IBM's analytics services, Watson, their cloud-based apps, 
uh, and this combined real-time data with powerful analytics capabilities. Um, so lastly, uh, we had the partnership of Drone Shield and Epirus, uh, which I'm now, I'm sure many of our listeners have not heard the names of these two tech companies uh, or have any idea of what kind of the, their partnership consisted of. Uh, but you'll learn about it today. Um, it's a fascinating partnership between two companies that are building technologies that are driving innovations on the front lines of safety for you know, war fighters and our militaries, um, as well as safety and other commercial applications like in public arenas, stadiums, airports, and, and a lot more. Uh, and so with all of that, I'd like to introduce our two guests joining us today. We've got Matt McCran, uh, the U.S.-based CEO of Drone Shield, uh, he previously served as its VP of Sales, uh, has held leadership roles at CamV Technologies, which is an AI startup. Uh, served as an intelligence analyst for the U.S. Navy for a number of years, and is a member of uh, NSA's CryptoLogic Direct Support Element. Uh, and we have Daniel Coltrane, uh, the CTO of Epirus. He has a background in RF and mixed signal electronics design. Previously held roles at Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, Broadcom, uh, holds a master's from the University of Southern California, and also has 12 patents. Uh, guys, thank you both for joining us today on the PEAR program. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff. So I know that intro leaves a lot of intrigue. Everybody's on a cliffhanger right now wanting to learn more. But before we jump into the heavy stuff, let's kick things off with our favorite bit. Uh, pair me up, pair, pair me uh, up. Mike. This is where you kind of tee us up and uh, lead us off with uh, uh, your your pairing. Yeah, uh, today uh, I'm my pairing. Uh, I was just recently on vacation, uh, so it's new places and new people. Um, went out, uh, visited a friend out in Montana. Um, he had rented a pavilion uh, and had a bunch of people in the tech community out there come out and just had a good time, just meeting a lot of people and and just getting a feel for all these different walks of life and different, you know, it wasn't just the tech community that was there. He also invited friends and other people and it was in a big park and other people stopped by and we just sort of chatted. It was, it was great. Um, and also just being out in a totally different part of the country is always fun. So new That's places, cool. new people. Yeah. A lot of these conferences too, they, they take place in these remote destinations of these national parks, like, uh, like snowbird in Utah is another big one. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's actually where like agile was was formed or the, the development philosophy of agile was was formed down snowbird but definitely a, a big fan of montana sounds like a good time yep cool all right i'm gonna jump in um so you know kind of repping the shirt here um i'm gonna go with girl dads and hair bows um so as a, a girl dad got a, a eight-month-old daughter um she's blessed with a good head of hair um, and I quickly learned that I can't dress her, uh, in an outfit without pairing it with a fresh hair bow, um, that either that complements the color. We mm -hmm. brought a few here for, for those on the YouTube channel to check here, but it's either the color or the pattern kind of become a, a hair bow connoisseur, uh, baby fashionista. Uh, if any of our listeners are, are interested in, in advice on how to best accessorize your daughter's outfit. DM me. I'm happy to share my knowledge with you. Um, I've been training for this for years now. So uh, that is my pairing. I'm going with girl dads and, and hair bows. Are any of you guys uh, girl dads by chance? Right here. Uh, how's, your, how's your accessory game uh, when, <laughs> when outfitting them? 
Yeah, I definitely understand the uh, the pain of uh, doing the hair. Um, my my youngest daughter keeps her hair about waist uh, length, uh-huh. so <laughs> so yeah. it's quite a project. Yeah, right. yeah. Mine is fifteen now, so I think my fashion is a little out of style. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it your all's way, uh, and uh, I'll start with you, Matt. Why don't you give us a quick intro and tell us your pairing? Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, uh, Matt McCran, I'm the U.S. CEO of Drone Shield. Um, been in the role uh, for about four years with the company now. Uh, we'll get into some of the cool things that we're doing and some of the partnership act, uh, activities with, with companies like Epirus here. Um, but my pairing today uh, is actually inspired um, by my, my youngest daughter. Um, so I'm going to go with peanut butter and gummy worms. Mm. Um, which was news to me. I never heard of this pairing before <laughs> a couple of days ago. Um, I was thinking about, you know, coming on the podcast here and this, this question, um, and kind of taking it in a personal way where it's, you know, early mornings and reading, which I like to do, or in a technology way where it's like kinetic and non-kinetic mm-hmm. uh, defense systems, which we might talk about later today. Uh, until uh, my daughter threw me a curveball and asked me the question of which would you rather eat? And she said a peanut butter and gummy worm sandwich, mm-hmm. which I stopped right there. Not not a big uh, gummy worm or gummy bear guy. Um, but she said, oh, you have to pick one. So peanut butter and gummy worms or a tuna fish sandwich with marshmallows and barbecue sauce. So, <laughs> so with the other option, I, I you know, uh, conceded and took the uh, peanut butter and gummy worms. And uh, I guess uh, the main takeaway there is, you know, a good pairing is very uh, relative to what your options are. So, <laughs> love it. Bravo, yeah. Good takeaway, Matt. She's got a a hell of a creative mind on her. Yeah, she does a lot of reading. So she, I think she pulls ideas from here and here, puts them yeah. together, and that's how you end up with a, a gummy worm and a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm, I might be dabbling in that uh, after this. I might have to give it a try. My mind's spinning. I'm I'm fairly intrigued. Um, I remember as a kid, the um, was it like the dirt dessert that had like the gummy worms in there, and it was like Oreos and pudding. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a dessert. I guess that's a little different, but at least uh, at least the the peanut butter is a little sweeter versus like tuna fish. You kind of lost me immediately when you when you threw in marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good pairing. I, I dig that. Dan, how about yourself? A uh, quick intro in your pairing. Yeah, sure. Uh, Dan Coltrane, CTO of Epirus. Um, I've been with the company for about four years now, um, and as you said, I've been at multiple defense and commercial companies here. And we'll get into the kind of things that we do here at Epris. But for my pairing today, um, kind of what you let in with the nature thing and then a, a little bit of a family thing like Matt is mountains and fresh air. Okay, mm-hmm. um, It's something I really miss this year because typically every year we would go camping, um, either at the beach or in the mountains, Yosemite and so on and so forth, Sequoia. But um, this year, you know, with all the things that are happening with the company, we're so busy with work so on and so forth. And my kids are a little more grown, so they're teenagers now. 
Um, they play a lot of sports, volleyball, baseball, you name it, right? It was just so busy. So many tournaments that you go to, we didn't get a chance to unwind together as a family, you know? Um, and I really miss that. Uh, not only that we're busy, when we go to the mountains, for example, we get to disconnect, you know, with our devices, because oftentimes you kind of force, you know, if I have my phone there, there's no signal up in the mountains. So it's kind of nice to be able to disconnect and, and reflect on all the things that you've been working on for the first half of the year and then really come back to the second half of the year really renewed and have a sense of, you know, kind of organization in your mind. Because I know my mind is kind of like going everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. all the time, mm -hmm. right, with all the things that are going on. So, and uh, yeah, that's something I really missed this year. And I, I hope we make a really concerted effort next year to go to the mountains and disconnect a little bit. That's yeah, that's right. a great pairing. Um, yeah, I, I'm pulling a couple of things from that, like uh, just getting away and kind of like pressing the reset button as well. Like I'm the same way. Like I, I feel like sometimes I get caught in this hamster wheel where if I don't step away and and you know unplug and um, getting into nature and just kind of like isolating, uh, it's tough to come back with like a, a creative mind or. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You get into a, what we call a do loop. You just do. Okay. Just do you know, them, yeah. instead of like thinking strategically and be able to like parse things out and maybe not do certain things, you know. Right. So, so, so what was the the um, one of your favorite parks that you mentioned that you go hiking to? Was it Sequoia? We uh, go to Yosemite, Yosemite. Um, National Park a lot. Um, we used to go maybe almost every year, but um, somewhere around right in that area, Central California. Um, but yeah, yeah, nice. this year we didn't get a chance to go. Yeah, the fresh air is another another one too. It's been tough to uh, you know with a lot of the wildfires that that, that have been hitting as well. It's it's been uh, it's kind of eye opening on the East Coast, anyways. Maybe a little bit more common on the West Coast, but with the the wildfires in Canada, it's like you you really appreciate having some some fresh clean air. Uh, getting yeah, out for about. sure. Around the world, right? Like Around the world. East and Italy and all those places all have wildfires this year. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Well, I, I dig the uh, dig the pairings all around. Um, let's uh, let's transition into the the heart of the discussion here. So, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about a broader topic of forming strategic partnerships as a means to drive innovation and fuel growth for for startups. Um, specifically, kind of hearing about some use cases for interesting technologies that combine like hardware and software. Um, <clears throat> quite fr frankly, though, half of the intrigue uh, in this episode, for me at least, is um, just learning about you know, some really interesting technology that's being built uh, by both of our guests and their and their companies. Um, I'll tease it with a, a brief descriptor from one of the products from Eparis called the Leonidas Directed Energy System, which I was sharing with with Mike uh, this morning, and he he said it sounds like a euphemism for Star Wars blasters. Uh, so um, it, it is seriously some fascinating tech that we're going to learn about. So let's let's jump into it. Um, why don't we start the conversation by having both of you all provide us with. Just more of a, an overview of your company and the problems that you're solving. And then we can jump into more specifics on how the partnership came about. Uh, but Matt, why don't we kick off with you and start with uh, telling us a little bit more about DroneShield. Yeah, so DroneShield is a, a counter UAS company. Um, we are basically responsible or the technology we develop is geared towards detecting, identifying, uh, tracking, 
and then uh, when necessary, defeating um, adversarial drones. So drones like uh, what we see on the battlefields over in Ukraine, um, drones that we see domestically here too, uh, that are involved in smuggling operations or pose a threat to critical infrastructure. Um, there's really, without having a counter UAS and a multi-layered counter UAS uh, solution in place, um, people, critical infrastructure, assets um, are really soft targets. Uh, there, there's no means to defend the air over their, their space or their, their area of operation. Um, so that's where we step in. We provide situational awareness, so tools that can tell them what's in their airspace and then can also help or accelerate the threat assessment. Do you have to be concerned about what's in your airspace? And then this way they can move to a um, response posture if there is indeed a, a real threat. Yeah, it's a fascinating space. It sounds like it's moving very quickly. Uh, a lot of developments happening, you know, drones, anybody can purchase a drone, right? And so when you think about that, it, it does spark a little fear uh, when you think about, you know, somebody has some twisted idea, you know, and, and uh, what, what it could, uh, what harm it could, it could cause. And then thinking about how to take one down. Um, I was, I was watching one of your all's explainer videos and I, I think it was from, from you all, but there's, there's options out there that, you know, people are just still experimenting with, but one of them being birds of prey, mm -hmm. uh, which was wild, which is like sending hawks or eagles out to legit take these, take these things down. But um, yeah. obviously that's it's, it's, a comment on that. I mean, it's, it's effective, but it doesn't scale, right? <laughs> it's not scalable. So, yeah. So we're trying to apply technology so we can scale a solution because like you said drones are so accessible now mm -hmm. uh, for good and bad purposes so we focus on countering the bad cool yeah i i can't wait to to peel that back a little bit more but uh dan why don't we uh pass it to you and and give us a little bit more context on epirus yeah sure thanks um well epirus is a high growth technology company uh, we develop cutting edge dual use technology for both defense and commercial applications and as you already said, our flagship product, Leonidas, uh, we believe it is the most effective and the most efficient high-power microwave system in the world today. And what we focus on is counter-swarm mission, right? So when you're talking about um, many, many drones coming at you, that's what we focus on, you know? And, and you can see today is very readily available. Um, Fourth of July just passed, mm -hmm. um, and I was at, uh, you know, my house is near the beach, and Redondo Beach has a drone show. There are hundreds of drones creating a flag, all kinds of show that you wow. can do. And we envision that as that is the way of the future, where, you know, many, many drones are coming at you. So really, simply put, we're at Epirus, we're turning science fiction into fact into reality, right? Um, I always liken our system to um, if you have a USS Enterprise in Star Trek, right? You got the kinetics people shooting photon torpedoes at things, and you got the laser people have the phaser, right? That shoots um, a beam at a target. For us, with this shield that, um, not to steal Matt's thunder here, because he's <laughs> drone shield, invisible shield around the Enterprise, that, you know, if you come from multiple angles, you cannot penetrate our wall. So that's kind of like what we do here um, at Epirus. 
we, we do a lot of other things too. We do, um, you know, research projects for advanced technologies for DARPA and things like that. But today our, we focus a lot on our effector, Leonidas. What's the uh, distance that, you know, this shield kind of can like reach to? Or... Um, I can tell you, um, okay. or I'll have to kill you kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> But it is enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Say that's the. I think the answer is it's enough. <laughs> yeah, that might not be the, the last time we hear. I can't tell you, or I'd have to kill you on yeah, this you know, uh, episode. Uh, uh, so it's kind of like the unfortunate, unfortunate thing about a little success that we have, right? For sure, we have um, government customers now. Certain things we just can't say. Yeah. Well, some of the stuff that's public knowledge, right? Uh, what What's the uh, size from a headcount and I guess funding to kind of give give our listeners a little bit of a context on the scope and size of, of you all? Uh, Matthew, you want to go? Or you want me to go first? No, you, you can go, Dan. Yeah, sure. Um, Epris uh, raised quite a bit of funding north of $300 million um, in three rounds up to Series C. And we're at about 200 people. Um, we've grown from you know, I was number 17 at the company and now over 200. Wow. That's Quite a awesome. bit of growth in the last uh, few years that we've been here. That's really neat. Uh, Matt, how about Drone Shield? Yeah, so Drone Shield is um, a little smaller. So we're at about a headcount of 85 globally now. Um, and we, uh, we, we've taken in multiple rounds of investment. Our uh, parent company, Drone Shield Limited, is actually publicly traded um, on the Australian Stock Exchange. Um, and we had the uh, pleasure of having Epirus join our investment uh, team um, towards the uh, tail end of last year, uh, making a uh, initial investment uh, in us, which has really uh, um, sparked um, the collaborative efforts of our two teams. So um, that, that would be a, uh, probably the origin point um, of, you know, some of uh, the partnership discussion that we'll have today. Yeah, it's a good tee up. Um, let's let's kind of start there. So uh, curious to hear about, you know, this partnership that that formed, uh, you know, Dan, we're fortunate to have you being being such an early settler at, at Epirus, right? So you've seen a lot of things, uh, you know, uh, grow and change over the years. But, um, you know, how did this partnership form with Drone Shield? I'm always curious in terms of you know, was there multiple vendors you were looking into and, and was it a strategic investment because you, you knew it was going to ha have an impact on your all's technology? Talk us through a little bit more of how that all got scouted and, and uh, kicked off. Yeah, sure. I can comment a little bit on that. So one of the things that we looked at was, you know, we cannot do everything well, but we can do one thing really well. And as we analyze um, the landscape of counter swarms, we see that the gap is in the effector to begin with, right? So we, knowing that, remember, we never had $300 million to begin with. Mm -hmm. We had million, you know, single-digit million, and then two-digit million, and then three-digit millions, right? So we look at it with the limited time and resources that we had, we focus on the effector first, okay? Making sure that, geez, you know, it's already a hard problem trying to do high-power microwave. But little did we know how hard it is, right? We're talking about tools that cannot really predict plasma breakdown of our system. We have to learn all of those things. So it was wise for us to focus on the effector first, okay? So um, knowing that, we 
really focus on one thing and be the best at that one thing. So then as the landscape grew, you know, counter UAS became a thing, you know, there's problems in Ukraine and whatnot. There's already a lot of really good companies out there like drone shields and, and the likes that are providing the eyes and the sensors and the software system that point Leonidas in the right direction and shoot something down, right? So um, I think it was a wise decision for us to focus on that and then partner with new startups like Drone Shield to really bring forth the full solution for our warfighters. I think it's interesting the um, on that partnership side because I've been at any number of startups and there's always this like, well, but we might not want, we might want to get into that business at some point. So we don't really want, like there's this like frenemy type thing. And so it can be really difficult to get those partnerships going because people feel like, well, if we, if we partner with them, then that precludes us from maybe doing something in the future. And I think that's just like such a terrible. Yeah. It's an old mindset. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I think, I think our mission, the, the intersection of our mission and technology today is really at play. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can we bring forth the disruption in our defense industry to feel something to our warfighters faster? Not how much more money can we make in the future if we keep this all as a vertical. So exactly. Yep. Yeah, there, there's, a, uh, there's a saying in our space where um, there is no silver bullet type solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a huge focus on interoperability. And that's something that both um, Eparis and Drone Shield do really well. And that's why it was a natural partnership. It's your best in breed here. We are best in breed here. Our customer, our mutual customer, needs the end-to-end solution. So mm-hmm. let's let's paint what it could look like for them, and in fact, take it a step further and show them. And and that's I think the most um, that that's a fruitful way to start a partnership when you're trying to uh, co-develop or solve a problem together with a mutual customer in the mix and in the room as well. Mm. Yeah. And I think what's in, it's interesting because you guys are working on like physical security, OT, you know, operational technology and, and kinetic and, and stuff that's happening in the real world. Um, in cybersecurity, I see that same it's that defense in depth mentality. Yes. And it does create I think there's much more partnership in certain industries than in others. And I feel mm-hmm. like security in general, everybody agrees, like in order to really do this right we have to partner we have to have this interoperability as you said there's not one single solution it's going to be all of these things working together and the more we can have them working together sort of the better off we all are so um mm. it's cool to see you know that's still still the case and and happening yeah, that's spot on yep did the partnership uh open up new markets for either side uh or was it more around you know uh, a mutual customer and you know let's start there and then maybe explore, you know, mutually how we can impact other markets. But I'm, I'm always curious because for one, you know, seems like both of these are dual use technologies. Um, I'm always curious on what came first, a commercial customer or a government customer. Um, but then also, you know, that mutual customer, did it open up doors to new markets or did you already see, you know, multiple outlets here that made sense beyond just one, one mutual customer? Yeah, I, I mean, I can comment from the drone shield side, and then uh, Dan, if you if you want to add to it from your perspective, um, yeah. So for us, 
military first. Um, they have the most mature requirements uh, and the most pressing need. Uh, other markets, other uh, other verticals, uh, call them, um, uh, are figuring it out now, right? Um, they're seeing and putting together all the information that they might have a problem and here's what it might look like. Whereas the military, um, USDOD has been at this, um, you know, since 2014, 2015, they were starting to look at this problem. Um, so a little further along the path there. Um, so that's Drone Shield specifically focuses on um, military, federal agencies, federal law enforcement. Uh, we do have commercial customers worldwide and critical infrastructure uh, that, that are growing, uh, but it started with our military customer base. And um, through the partnership with um, uh, Epirus, even though it's still it's still on the younger side or early stage, um, we focus there on on some of the military, but also we're starting to see other things open up on the homeland security side, which would probably be the natural um, next market, uh, so to speak, for a joint joint solution of uh, from, from both of us. But Dan might have other other viewpoints on that and other you know uh, strategic uh, lines of effort. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I, I think um, we're very much aligned there. Our first customers will be the DoD, right? In the different services today, we really focus a lot on the Army piece, where you know they want to do uh, forward base protection and so on and so forth. Um, but we envision through that partnership with Drone Shield there's international opportunities that we can have as well, right? So strategic um, partnership on the um, continental U.S. and also outside of USA makes a lot of sense with Drone Shield, where they're from Australia. Um, now, in terms of having partnership, we're, we don't just partner with Drone Shield, right? If you look at online, we have lots of PR about partnering with other um, similar uh, companies like Drone Shield, um, that opens up more opportunities, more in inroads into other services as well. Um, and HPM, we feel, is going to be one of the layered um, mechanism in our protection of our service people, right? The Navy, the Air Force, the Army, SOCOM, and so forth. So absolutely, I think, um, you know, having partnership opens up the world. Um, and not just the the U.S. Uh, based customers. I'm curious, Dan. Did which sort of came first, the mutual customer, and that's what led you to Drone Shield, or did you see Drone Shield and like you guys just created this partnership, and and you then are like, oh, we have these mutual customers. I'm, like, was it a customer that brought you guys together? I guess is my question. I think it's the need of the customers that brought us together. Like Matt said, customers are looking for a solution, right? They're not looking for a gadget. Like the army, when they buy Leonidas, they, if they don't have a solution in front of them, they have to go find the solution, work mm -hmm. with other um, sensors provider, other radar provider. What we do is by giving them an easy button that said, hey, here's your solution. There you go. You know, here's a capability, here's a solution, and they can digest that um, much easier than having this long process of the um, customer being the integrator of all these systems, right? So that that speeds up the acquisition process. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I, yeah, I think that that's a great way to do it because I, having been at so many places where it's the customer that's trying to force these two things together and it's mm -hmm. like, okay, now I guess we'll, we will create a partnership, but it's all through this third party 
it gets more difficult and more challenging and also right. building and something that's really a solution right. for multiple customers, not just a, a spot, you know, this one thing that solves this one customer's problems. So that's awesome. I'm always curious too, just, uh, you know, from, you know, selecting a, a partner, um, other things that go into this, excuse me, other things that go into this in terms of like alignment of values or goals and vision. Um, did, did that come into play when, when forming and, and making a final decision, uh, on this was a, the right partner for us? Yeah, Matt, do you want to yeah, go with sure. that? Um, that, that's a huge part of it. Um, Tim, um, you know, when you, when you come across a partner that has, um, you know, complementary technology and the approach, the, the, uh, company's philosophy is a match as well. I mean, that's how you can accelerate things. Otherwise, you're just basically postponing the inevitable uh, problem or bottleneck mm -hmm. where the two companies are not aligned, like, like you mentioned earlier. Um, and the uh, it, it is about alignment. And I like to look at it um, because I'll, I'll put on my sales or BD hat uh, because I come from that world. Uh, you start with the who. You start with the customer and work backwards, right? If you if you don't have common customer or common um, uh, projected or prospected customers, uh, you're going to have that misalignment down the line too, because customer requirements. Everyone has a little different flavor, and if someone's building something and their core customer base is over here, and you serve this customer here eventually it's going to get hard to get everyone on the same on the same um, path to solve this problem when this problem becomes a priority uh, so i think that alignment too um, it's a lot easier when you start with the customer and the who and then you you know your why is uh, a who is baked into a why and then the how comes when you understand the problem mm. yeah excellent matt um yeah, if I may comment here, I think Matt already touched on the fact that we do serve the same um, sort of customers, right, in the DOD military space. Um, but more than that, I think we serve the same similar mission and we have the same corporate culture of agility, rapid delivery of cutting edge technologies for future defense technology, right? And we're both working to disrupt the status quo of technology capability development for DOD applications today is we're like the disruptor of the disruptor, right? <laughs> like people want to brand themselves or, you know, primes are disruptor of primes. We're like the disruptor of the disruptor. They were the new gen mm -hmm. of this new defense uh, strategy, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and we're just creating things that can fit in multiple scenarios having architectures because we're not encum encumbered by what we already made. We came to this company with nothing. We have mm -hmm. to build everything from the ground up and therefore we can think a little bit differently than trying to fit a product that was already um, have a big R&D budget behind it mm -hmm. to fit into other things, right? So from the ground up, we design our technology to have an architecture that can fit on a boat, fit on an airplane, fit on a Humvee, mm. fix on, uh, you know, a JLV, uh, whatever it is. So that's kind of like where we see 
you know, how our corporate structure and our line of thinking really align with Drone Shield. Yeah. I think it's fascinating just thinking through, um, you know, a lot of the difficulties of tapping into a, a space like uh, defense tech, right? Because um, for one, there's a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, right? Um, and how do you kind of cut through that and and maybe navigate one of a, a little bit of a shortcut? I think partnerships is a really creative outlet for that, right? Because the reality is, once you get a past performance under your belt, it becomes a lot easier. So if you can attach yourself to a project or a technology uh, or a product that's being built, that's kind of like a plug and play uh, without having to start from scratch, you know, you save yourself a lot, a lot of time from a BD perspective. And I think, um, you know, that's one way of, you know, even though you're both startups, but you know, maybe Epris is a little bit more at a you know, a little bit, a little bit further along in the process, it's it's really a a way of helping out. You know, somebody like a drone shield that's trying to tap in and scale it a little bit quicker. Um, I'm just using that as a hypothetical. I'm not saying that's how it went, but I'm yeah. just playing that out. It's like I talked to a lot of founders that are trying to build dual use technologies, and if they started commercial and they have no idea on how to really like transition this into uh, a government customer. A partnership is a, a a really nice advantage to figure out a way of you know hitch hitch onto that wagon and get that past performance under your belt. Yeah, Tim, I think you really touched on a a point here. I want to comment on is this pull through, right? So if we're successful as Epirus, we can also pull Drone Shield into our success because we're already a partner. So if Drone Shield is successful in in, in something else, Drone Shield can say, hey. Look at the technology. We're already fully integrated with Epirus. You have a problem, pull our technology mm-hmm. through. So either way, it's a you know, bi-directional road that we all win, right? And ultimately, our customers win because um, the time and the value of time and the money they don't have to spend on all of that really um, makes a huge benefit for our customers. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Dan. And then also, I, I'd add to that that... Um, you know, we, we're talking and focused on startups. Um, our company in this in the last 12 months, Drone Shield has has really focused on the transition from startup to scale up. You need partnerships to hit that scale up stride uh, from a business perspective. We're a small team. You know, 200 on the Epirus side, 85 or so on the Drone Shield side. We can't be in every conversation that we need to be. We can't be in front of every customer five days a week that we need to be or would benefit from. So it's the partnerships and having that alignment with the partnerships is like a force multiplier. And that's, uh, so the last 12 months, that's what we've really focused on is building partnerships with companies like Epirus, ones that like to work like we do, disrupt like we do as well. Um, I like the disruptors disruptor uh, uh, slogan there, the tagline there, Dan. I think we're going to have to do something like that. (laughs) We're building swag as we speak. (laughs) T-shirts. I'm I'm curious about the the role of, of, say, like strategic partnerships, right, within the org. Um, You know, earlier stages, uh, Matt, maybe you can touch on this. Is that really, you know, your job uh, in the BD seat to uh, you know, identify, you know, who's who's going to be a good partner for us, what opportunities coincide? 
And then when does that role become something that you're like, okay, like I need to hire somebody that's going to be focused as a, you know, heads of strategic partnerships or something along those lines. Like what, when does that, when did it happen in your all's evolution? And uh, what is that, that department almost as a, if it is a department, how does that look like as the company grows? <laughs> it's a department when all of us put on that hat for the day and then that department <laughs> goes away when we put on a different hat. <laughs> but, um, no, so you're, you're, you're pulling on a lot of uh, accurate things there, uh, Tim. So it starts with the vision, right? Um, and I alluded to that earlier. We made a conscious effort saying this is how we're going to build out our sales, our business development efforts. Uh, we have a strong core team. Uh, within Drone Shield, uh, but we can't reach everywhere. So, how are we going to build that? Again, it starts with the customer. Who does the customer, what problems do they have? What other partners or technology providers are they looking at? And what are they, how do they use our stuff in their mission? What, when they purchase a Drone Shield product or solution, what other technology does that touch? Does it touch an effector? a kinetic effector? Does that touch a high power microwave? Is that the vision they have? So, okay, let's start building that partnership, that team of partners uh, to solve problems based on the problems that they're trying to solve or scratching their heads around. Um, so that's the vision part internally. Then it's formalizing a relationship, working with a company like Everest, identifying what makes sense, where, where, what's your footprint, what's our footprint, where are we trying to go? Maybe there's a, a, a merging of requirement capabilities on both sides and customer need. Um, and budget always helps too, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to shape everything. <laughs> It'd be nice <laughs> if they were also working to shape some uh, uh, budget allocation to solve this problem. Um, but that's so once that is understood and there's a mutual agreement like yes we can do this together uh then it's engineering team engineering team linking up understanding the lower level technical of what this needs to look like what could it look like and then the bd teams as well working um in unison on specific opportunities uh, and that's where it kind of flows down or flows through uh, the organization from uh, from from our perspective perspective there. A really helpful picture that you just painted there. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think about it in the seat of a, you know, running a small services company here and um, the idea of, you know, taking a lead on uh, just, you know, almost like hand selecting, you know, what really makes sense, dissecting the customer uh, that we're working with and seeing, you know, what are those other pain points that we could help scratch that itch by use of somebody's other, you know, service or product. Um, it's a, it's a really simplistic way of painting it, but it's easier said than done. But, uh, it sounds like you all have made a lot of, uh, su success. Uh, and, and I think it, it only builds from that, right. Once you see it, it work in, in, uh, in a current scenario, and then it's start to, Pull, pull apart other areas that you could be effective yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. And if I was to give advice to a startup who's trying to do partnerships, I would say it isn't easy, right? What you see today are um, culmination of a lot of effort from the beginning stages, like Matt said, who do we partner with? Does it have strategic alignment? So on and so forth. 
you know, early on when we looked at Drone Shield, it goes across the entire organization, right? Um, strategic team brings forth, hey, you know, what do you think about Drone Shield and whatnot? That goes to everyone in the organization, including me, looking at technology piece. Like, does Drone Shield have the right technology to be our partner, right? And all of that, as we conclude, and we have our partners with um, Drone Shield today, is not doesn't even end there. It takes a lot of nurture, a lot of efforts in between to get to where we are today, because there's a lot of resources and time. You know, there's going to be a lot of calls that we got to make. Hey, these are the things that we got to do. When do we do it? Who do we assign to it? Right? Drone Shield assigned a, com- a whole team coming here to Everest. Epris assigned a whole team of engineers to integrate Drone Shield's technology into, um, you know, our our whole suite of tools here. So, and we need to make APIs, and Drone Shield needs to expose their APIs. All of those things take a lot of time and effort. So, choose your partner carefully. That would be my advice to yeah. if you know startup wants to get into this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on with the engineering side and all of the, those conversations of who's going to own what part of the integration and how that's all going to come. And having been in those conversations, it's a lot of fun. Like if it's a good partner, those are can be fun conversations um, about all the different things you can do and all the problems you can solve. Um, but also on the sales, marketing, all the different other aspects, like making sure that you understand like who's going to own the like on the go to market strategy and how we're going to advertise, you know, how who's going to say what and how we're going to coordinate on all of that, I think, are things that um, especially engineers don't really think about, right? We think about it at this technical level. Um, yeah, how can we integrate? Yeah. And they don't necessarily think about like, all right, so then how do we communicate this? And how does it actually look from a business perspective? Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's got to be holistic like that, Mike, because, um, you know, there's a full disclaimer, not all partnerships work, uh, <laughs> but you don't know until you, you, you know, go through the vetting stages, like, like you're saying, where uh, Dan's evaluating potential tech partners while the BD team is also evaluating, is there, is there a market for a joint offering? Um, the, uh, the one thing um, to be aware of, uh, from my perspective is, uh, shiny object syndrome mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of cool tech out there and oh you you're doing something cool we're doing something cool we we, oh, we should put it together who's the customer <laughs> what are you solving <laughs> you right. can integrate a bunch of things but what is the end result what are you trying to get to uh so it's a very holistic approach across an organization with the business team with the engineering team and then also with uh the overall strategy at a corporate level mm. yeah yeah we 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 had a an episode about like um post acquisition expectations and I kind of think a little bit about that in terms of you know how will these teams merge together you know how is it built up that you know we're bringing these folks in or we're acquiring this company um that it's uh it's something that translates uh, across the entire org it's not just like usually one department that's impacted it it it, it impacts a uh, uh everybody that's a part of it so it's just a a fascinating uh a fascinating topic um well i i i want to save some time here for for our final segment but uh just uh general takeaways just really really fascinated with with what you guys are building and um you know the use cases that you all are doing i think is uh you know, just a, a a ton of um a ton of positives that that we'll learn from, and you know, I think you know when, when we see you know some of the stuff that that's happened with the the war in Ukraine, um, I think these are things that people 
can start to, you know, it puts them in a seat of like, you know, there's scary shit that's going on out there that, you know, we want to start to, you know, create tools to, to help solve some of these, some of these problems that are happening. Um, so we're, uh, uh, cheering you all on from the sidelines and, um, encouraged by, you know, the, uh, the work that y'all are doing. Um, well, let's, let's jump into the, uh, the final segment here, uh, the, the five second scramble. So we're, we're gonna, you know, talk, uh, you know, kind of quick rapid fire, you know, Q and a, try to, try to keep your answers under five seconds. Um, uh, some, some business, some personal, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you, Dan, and then, and then I'll jump to you, uh, Matt. So Dan, are you ready? Yeah, as ready as I can be. Okay. Um, Explain Epirus to me as if I were a five-year-old. Oh, that's a tough one. But imagine a bunch of really crazy people getting together with adult supervision, trying to accomplish a task and with a singular mind of solving that problem. That's who we are. No matter how hard it is, we will solve that problem. And that's the kind of the growth mindset that we have here at Epirus. Nice. Aside from all the technology that I explained to you earlier, this kind of <laughs> yeah, that might be over their heads. So we'll we'll keep it yeah. at that for now. Uh, how would you describe the the culture at Epros? Oh, uh, at the essence of who we are, we're always having this convergence of technology, the mission, and what I call the growth mindset. Right? We really don't mind failure at Epros. Mm-hmm. You know, if we think about it, um, you know, the things that we're trying to do is really hard. And if we are constantly, we're constantly reminded that we fail. That's the, that's the key here, but it's okay. We march on and we keep, um, you know, going to first principle, understanding the physics, understanding the fundamentals, and we solve those problems. And, you know, there are so many that we solve here at Epris on high power microwave, waveforms, and so on and so forth. Um, it's a hard problem we're, we're working on. I would say, sorry, usually I don't interject. I'd say failure is not learning from your mistakes. That's when you failed. Mistakes are fine. It's not learning from yeah. them. That's failure. Anyway, go on. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I, I'm reading a, a book called The Mind, Mindset right now. It's all, all about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And it's, uh, yeah, it's fascinating. So I like that yeah. answer. I love that. Um, what kind of technologist uh, thrives at Epirus? Oh. Um, someone that, uh, I would say are not emotional about things, um, (laughs) I I would say, because I I think we thrive a lot on praises, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and someone with patience, someone with, um, acumen to say, uh, and analyze the failures, like what Mike said, you know, um, and why. And are we breaking physics or not? You know, we always ask that. Is it, are we making um, a mistake by mm-hmm. not ignoring the physics, right? Is it possible, first of all? And if it is, we'll find a way to say it, to, to make sure that we solve that problem. That would be the kind of people that uh, we hire here, not just for engineering, but for a supply chain that think outside the box, that can say, hey, you know, it took a long time if I was at another company. But how can I make that better here at Epirus? Very cool. 
What can folks be most excited about for Epirus heading into 2024 or, or what you, what you can tell us anyways? Um, oh, yeah, no, I have a lot here. I'm a CTO, <laughs> right? My mind is always dreaming, but we're entering a phase of another cycle of innovation here at Epirus, right? We're going to continue on advancing and building our HPM portfolio, but now we have the opportunity as we mature our technology to some degree to have add new wave of innovation. I can't tell you all the little things that we're working on at Epirus, but there's a ton of innovation that we're working on from you know, our ideas with DARPA, from our ideas on even including different things into Leonidas. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, maybe ability to clone, not myself, but clone my engineers. <laughs> <laughs> They're hard to come by, you know? <laughs> um, so. Sounds yeah. like Epirus is hiring, it sounds like, as well. <laughs> um, if, you could, uh, if you could pick one fast food joint to establish as the first restaurant on Mars, what, what would it be? Oh, it's an easy one. I'm in here in uh, the Southwest. It would be an in and out. Uh, that's that's the most common answer out there in, in California. <laughs> I can tell you, uh, a lot of folks would argue Five Guys on, on you on that one, but we'll we'll let you we'll let you have the in and out. It's, All right, it, it is good. Um, what's something that you like to do but you're not very good at? Um, software programming. <laughs> I love to. Um, do software, you know, because I'm a hardware guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there's so much more stress in in software because at least in the hardware, you kind of know, you measure it fails and it has few, I would say few relative to software. Software is like, yeah, it works. You can recompile and all that. But then there's like different modes that you never thought of that will make you fail and you just can't wrap your head around it. So I wish I was better at software programming. <laughs> Mike, what are you thinking? Uh, teeing up an episode here soon? On <laughs> yeah, something like? so. This sounds yeah. like a, a good future episode. Because yeah. I, I uh, it's funny because I think the same thing about hardware that it seems much more complicated than software. But anyway, we'll get we'll move on. Happy <laughs> to do another podcast in debate. Let's get a couple of uh, embedded software engineers on here. <laughs> have them tell us what they think. Uh, all right, what uh, what is a charity or corporate philanthropy that's near and dear to you? Ooh. Um, Man, this one's a tough one. Can I take a pass? But we donate a lot as a family. Um, and I'll put a stake in the ground, I guess. You know, this could be controversial. But um, one of the things that we do is 40 Day for Life. Um, we not only uh, donate our money, but we donate a lot of our time. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to explain to you what they do. But basically, um, we do a lot of educational and um, uh, kind of letting people know what's going on with Planned Parenthood and things like that. Cool. Yeah, we'll we'll plug the uh, the website in the in the show notes uh, when we push it live. Um, what's something that you're very afraid of? I'm afraid of the dark. Oh, it's a, it's a common. That's a common one. Um, no, I mean, like, really, really afraid of the dark. It's uh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll keep keep the lights on here for you. I used to uh, sleep with lights on when I was little. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Awesome. All right. Uh, last one. Uh, do you have a, a favorite superhero of all time? Oh, man. I, I love Avengers. My superhero would be... I, it's hard. It's hard. This is a hard one. I don't have mm-hmm. like one that's my favorite. If I have to pick one, Wonder Woman, um, I think, is uh, easy on the eyes. Um, you know, she has a lot of superpowers and she's more powerful than most of the other Avengers. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. I like that answer. All right. That, that's it. Um, you, you passed the flying colors there. Dan, I appreciate that. Uh, Matt, we're, we're going to kick it over to you now, okay? We're close with you. All right. All right. Um, some of these will, will be uh, fairly similar. So explain Drone Shield to me as if I were a, a five-year-old. Yeah, so Drone Shield um, provides technology that helps protect people uh, from bad guys. Got it. What What would you say is your favorite part about the culture at Drone Shield? Oh, there, there's a lot. Um, just recently, um, like I mentioned, we were going through that transition phase, and the culture is. Um, I'm noticing a change in that it's um, more organic and it's taking on a life of its own, and it's it's um, it's really cool to see. Um, you know, when when you're there from the early stages, where it's really dependent on one or two people. That, that are driving it and kind of the the um, the brand to see how it morphs and evolves uh, with more people coming on board. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, a, a core element is that we're all mission focused. It's all about the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, we move fast um, and we we speak directly too. Um, so there's not you know and it comes from a good place. So it, you can do a lot with that um, when you have that kind of candid, uh, candid culture. Cool. What kind of technologist thrives at Drone Shield? Uh, one that's proactive, uh, one that's curious, and one that's resilient. Uh, you know, things are not going to go the way you want. Um, those requirements that you think you're coming in to work on, yep, throw them out the window. Here's new ones uh, because something just changed. Um, so someone who can roll with the punches um, and continue to understand the the why behind what they're doing. Um, so that resilience aspect uh, goes a long way with us. Nice. Uh, looking forward into 2024, what are some things that you're really excited about uh, with, with some of this growth at Drone Shield? Yeah, so um, we have a lot of momentum right now, um, and it's been a lot of uh, groundwork laid. Uh, we've grown uh, two and three times over uh, year over year for the last four years. Um, and wow. now we're taking a huge leap this year in 2023 with that growth. And uh, we have a lot of um, cool technology in the works that is coming from, say, like a TRL-7, which is a technology readiness level um, where it can go out there and be initially tested with end users. We have a lot of cool projects at that level uh, that we're push, pushing out now, and we'll see those mature very quickly here um, towards uh, towards the first quarter of 2024. So we're excited about a lot of things. That's awesome. What was uh, your favorite cereal as a kid? 
as a kid, oh, whatever was colorful and sweet right now, probably, <laughs> Pebbles, uh, yeah. you know, frosted mini wheats or something, something mm-hmm. a little, a little uh, more uh, nutritious, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, cinnamon toast crunch, cinnamon <laughs> toast crunch, CTC. That's, that's, yeah, that's the number yeah. one answer right there. That's good. Well, it should be. It should be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are, are your kids uh, allowed to have this cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a staple in the house still today. Um, awesome. That's why I still get to try it every once in a while. <laughs> it's right next to the Frosted Mini Wheats. Strate- strategic play. Um, what is a, a charity or, or corporate philanthropy that's near and dear to you? Yeah, so um, good question. Um, there's one that comes to mind, a nonprofit uh, called uh, Task Force Antal. <laughs> Um, they do a lot of humanitarian work um, in war-torn countries. Uh, so there are two initiatives right now. Uh, they do work in Ukraine, providing um, basically medical training and first aid uh, training to civilians who, you know, um, ha- have their lives turned upside down and need to be self-sufficient on the ground. Um, and then they do a lot of work with um, uh, the fallout of uh, folks from the pullout of Afghanistan. So those mm. are their two core missions, and they do a lot of good work. Very small team. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth checking out. How do you spell Antal? Was it A N T A L? So it should be Task Force Antal dot uh, org if, okay. if you're looking for the website. Cool. Yeah, we'll we'll post that in the show notes as well. Uh, if you could live in a fic- fictional world from a book or movie, which one would you choose? Um, oh, that's yeah, that's a more of a nonfiction guy and real world guy. Um, <laughs> but so the family is reading um, uh, all the Harry Potter books right now with my youngest. Mm-hmm. So um, they they kind of play in our world, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be cool to live in that in, in that um, fictional uh, setting. Nice, Mike. Did you watch Harry Potter? Uh, yeah. What's what's the name of the what's the name of the little area that that we're referring to here? What do you mean the name of the area? Is it like uh, what's the name of his? Uh, isn't that a the name of the school is Hogwarts, but there's other Hogwarts. schools. But there's multiple schools. It's a whole thing. <laughs> Clearly, I, I have right. some catching up but to it's do. In the real world, so it's like a layer on top of the real world. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's why it resonates with you. I got. Yeah. I got. Yeah. Yeah. It's still, still a little grounded. Yeah. What, what's the worst fashion trend that you've ever followed? <laughs> oh man. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I, I grew up in the um, early 90s, so probably the baggy everything. Jenko mm-hmm. uh, jeans. Uh, yeah, Jenko yeah, jeans where, there. Where the jeans hang off, uh, hang off the waist pretty significantly. <laughs> um, yeah, probably the worst fashion trend. Jenko jeans and a pager. That's kind of what I'm envisioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the air walks too. Yeah. Good, good visual. Uh, all right, last one. What was your dream job as a kid? Uh, football player. That, that one's easy. I, nice. I, I was so going to play football, and then uh, that didn't happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, football season's co- upon us. What's who's your your team? A col- uh, college or or in uh, Miami Dolphins. So uh, we've had about twenty five rough years, and last two have been okay. So yeah, things are looking up. Yeah, yeah. Cool. 
All right, that's a wrap. Uh, I want to thank you guys both so much for joining us. Um, both have been great guests, and we're excited to keep tracking the fascinating work that both of your all's companies are doing. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Appreciate your all's time joining us on, on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us.